Welcome to Measures of Truth, a His Dark Materials podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Alan. I'm Francis. And I'm Anya. And today we're discussing the first very long, or maybe first two episodes, kind of unclear. Anyway, the beginning of the third season of His Dark Materials, The Enchanted Sleeper and The Break. Episodes were written by showrunner Jack Thorne and writer Amelia Spencer. Uh, she is an up-and-coming TV writer who has made several shorts and was a writer on the miniseries The Undeclared War, which broadcast in the summer of 2022. Was that like a sci-fi fantasy war or a historical it's like real two war? years in the future. It's like an election in Britain that's trying to be hacked. Oh, is that the one with Simon Pegg? It was Simon Pegg, yeah. She wrote yeah. like, all the episodes. Looks really good. Yeah. Good reviews. These episodes were directed by Amit Gupta, who will direct five of the eight episodes this season. He is a writer-director of several movies, including Resistance from 2011. So to summarize, Will searches, well, sort of. I mean, it's five fucking paragraphs, so... <laughs> <laughs> Will searches for Lyra. He meets the angels Baruch and Balthamos, who tell him to join Lord Azrael. Will demands that the angels help him find Lyra first. Meanwhile, Lyra dreams that Roger is calling out to her. Every time she wakes up, Mrs. Coulter drugs her. Mrs. Coulter has been hiding Lyra in a remote stone house, waiting for Will to find them and relying on a local girl, Alma, for food. Lord Asriel crashes his intention craft on a mysterious new world. With his Galavespian soldiers, Asriel infiltrates a prison run by the Temple to free Commander Ogunwe. Ogunwe is the leader of the resistance against the authority in his world. Asriel tries to recruit him, but Ogunwe resists, so Asriel invites him to his headquarters to see their war effort. The angels locate Lyra and tell Will where she is. Balthamos agrees to guide Will while Baruch reports to Lord Asriel. When Will goes to Lyra's world, he finds Yorick in a fight with the townsfolk. Will settles the fight, and Yorick joins Will's crew. Will meets Amma, who tells him about Mrs. Coulter drugging Lyra. Will tries to sneak into the house, but Mrs. Coulter catches him. She tries to convince Will to join her in protecting Lyra, but fails to get him on her side. Baruch and Archangel... Alarbus fight above Lord Azrael's camp. They are both wounded and crash to the ground. Baruch tells Azrael about the knife, Lyra, and Will before he dies. Azrael imprisons Alarbus and tortures him for more information because everyone loves some light war crimes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Father McPhail recruits Father Gomez to find Lyra and Mrs. Coulter. 
Gomez uses a spy fly to locate them and then leads a strike team to capture them. Will and his crew make a plan to rescue Lyra. The Magisterium forces arrive and surround the house. Mrs. Coulter fakes an injury and tells Father Gomez that Will already took Lyra. The two continue to talk until Mrs. Coulter knocks him out with a rock. Will opens a window into Lyra's room and wakes her. Mrs. Coulter tries to join them in their escape. She distracts Will as he cuts a new portal, and the knife shatters. The Lady Salmachia poisons Mrs. Coulter to unconsciousness, and then Will and Lyra retreat outside. Yorick fights Magisterium soldiers as the teens retreat into the window Will left open, with Lady Salmachia secretly following. Right, general feelings. Moving swiftly on. Uh, I felt a, a very similar to how I felt in this bit of the book. Like, some of it's okay, but also I'd like to get to the good stuff. I mean, there's too much Asriel, but other than that, <laughs> it's fine. See, I kind of liked the Asriel stuff. I like it in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I think they do a really good job with him, especially since they're kind of trying to give him more depth than he ever had in the book. Because mm-hmm. you can see him kind of struggle with caring about the war versus caring about Lyra. And I like that. Oh, I don't think um, he struggles also, with that at all. He cares 100% about the war and 0% oh, about Lyra. Oh, I don't <laughs> no, agree. I don't, I don't agree at all. Yeah. We'll come to no, that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You're yeah, wrong. Yeah, no. And I, I like that they're doing that with him. Yeah. Um, but also, I would like there to be less of him. Yeah, Like, yeah. I don't think we need this much yeah. of Yeah, he's not that interesting as a character, I'm going to yeah. be honest. So, like, what we're getting is good, but why are we getting it? Yeah, overall, I really... I did really enjoy this adaptation, again, though there were a few exceptions which I did feel really detracted from the original mood and feeling and generally kind of make it a little bit too generic for me. Also, much like the earlier seasons, there are a couple instances where the writers just genuinely think the audience is dumb. Yeah. And need to hit us over the head with stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, you don't... Yeah, okay, I want to talk Thanks. about that opening animation because I feel like that's exactly the kind of thing that you're talking about, and I think it's super weird. It um, felt very like trying too hard to be kind of Lord of the Ringsy. Yeah, yeah, yep. we'll we'll talk about it. Um, but I like I agree with you guys. I think there are some really cool adaptation choices that are happening, and in some ways, I wish they were more off book than they are. But then in other ways, I think they're introducing problems, especially like in tone like you're saying francis that i worry if they're making more problems for themselves than they're solving for this season yeah overall i enjoyed it i appreciated most of the differences from the book that i noticed you can definitely tell that it was written to be two episodes and not one super long episode because there's like that moment about 45 50 minutes in where you're just like this feels like a closing montage and then it just oh yeah keeps... the, the music swelling yeah it just keeps you going see, <laughs> you see will and york together on the boat yeah. Yeah. and then you have like a little epilogue thing with asriel and then you're like ah yes credit it cuts to oh, black no. and then it comes yeah. back yep. and you're like <laughs> yeah. what <laughs> yep yeah. i don't blame them for Very that weird. i don't that I feel like that was something that was pushed on them and that the, they did the best they could. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah obviously, no, yeah. It's not bad. It's just obvious that it was yeah. very, very last minute that someone said, hey, can we just do this as a, as a one thing? We'll just, get, we'll just have a double slot. Yeah. And they go, um, 
yeah, I guess. And then they just pasted the end of the, the, the second one onto the first one and cut off the scene, the like credits and the opening bit. Yeah. I think they did switch a little bit because I think that I think there are some some scenes that probably were in the second episode that got moved prior to that montage to to like possibly yeah mix it up just a little bit. But yeah, overall, you can totally tell what was supposed to be the final scene of episode one. Oh, definitely. All right, favorite parts. I didn't have anything, like, really stand out. But, like, we've heard me talk about how this is my least favorite part of this story many, many times. So I'm not surprised. Um, I like that they made Azriel and Alma better than they are in the books. Mm -hmm. Alma especially. Oh, yeah. That was great. And I got really excited <laughs> to see the harpies in the opening credits, which is not really a favorite part of these episodes because it's going to be in every episode, but... I don't know. I just like the harpies a lot. So the trees too. I do like that they redo yes. the mm -hmm. credits every season to like. It's so add cool. In extra bits. It's yeah. always my favorite thing when a show does. Oh, that. definitely, yeah. When the f credits came on and like the music started playing, I got like a little bit more emotional and nostalgic than I expected. I was like, oh man, I forgot how much I really enjoyed this. Yep. Same. <laughs> yeah. Also, did you notice that the middle um, layer at the end of the credits or the end of the intro is the Malefa world this time? Yeah. Right. Which yeah. I really liked. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I like that our favorites are still just those really pretty opening credits. <laughs> yeah, honestly, best thing about the show. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked the beginning of the episode where like Will is going from world to world by himself and it's like all of these like really vast landscapes. He talks to some people every once in a while, but it's like he's very lonely and alone and it's like a whole mood for him. And it felt like he was like getting practice with the knife and and I was like, "Oh, I like all this better than what was going on in the book where like the angels are on him immediately yeah i found just that the angels were really wonderful and pretty much every decision that's been made with them i thought was well done and tasteful and just added to them in such an interesting way i thought they were really 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 good yeah i know we'd talked a long time ago about how we were kind of worried about how they were going to try and represent them visually um and i think the costuming was a really good decision. They just seem very, like, ethereal and kind of otherworldly and a little bit unnerving, even when they're not transparent. Um, <laughs> I really like the, like, shimmery gold makeup that they put on, um, especially the angels with darker skin tones. I think mm. it looks so good. Yeah, definitely. I remember writing in my personal notes when we first saw them and we see them in just in human form, I was like, this is not like the angels at all. This is just not what I imagine. And then seeing uh, Balthamus or Baruch, one of the two, uh, transitioning into like angel mode for the first time and being like, nope, that's exactly what I imagined. Yeah. Uh, a little bit mm -hmm. taller, but like that is, that is pretty much exactly what I imagined. I was like, oh, this is good. I like yeah, this. I, I think it's a good mix of like having something that the viewer can kind of relate to more when they're um you know having conversations with the humans and it makes sense that they would be like presenting in a more at least corporeal looking form um when interacting with humans um but then yeah they go when they go transparent um it, yeah the whole thing just works really well eh. no i think they look too <laughs> human when they're corporeal they look too normal yeah i mean they are they are actually humans is the thing 
I oh, prefer the them to look. I thought you were. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, <laughs> I thought you I were prefer... saying the story, and I was like, wait, I think you've <laughs> no, misunderstood something. <laughs> they, they couldn't afford the Angel Union. Yeah, it was too expensive. <laughs> they tried to get angels, but they were they asked for too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't have SAG memberships, so mm, yeah, 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 of course. Uh, what, what, but no, my point being that I would much rather them do slightly uncanny humans than bad CGI. Because their CGI in general is That's amazing, fair. but it would be so much to make them look enough different without being tacky. Yeah, no, it's it's fair. I'm not saying that the show could have done better. I'm just saying mm-hmm. they're too yeah. human looking for my, from what I imagined from the books. Yeah, I see what you mean. I get the impression... Or like, you know, my headcanon is kind of that that's a choice that the angels are making to look more human while they're interacting with humans. And so it doesn't really mess with my understanding from the book in that way. I understand that. I guess I just think they wouldn't make that choice. I see. Especially the one that sticks around with Will. Yeah. (laughs) He would like be off-putting on purpose. Yeah. (laughs) But they have made both of those characters less of a dick to each other. So. Yeah. Will and is it Balthamus or is it Baruch? Which one's Bal- with Will? Balthamus is the one that sticks around. Yeah, yeah. Balthazar. Okay, I, <clears throat> I can't believe yeah. that fucking Pullman gave them both B names, but whatever. I know, what um, a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so Balthamus. I enjoy as a sort of haha that they're both so much nicer to each other because yeah, the show definitely. was like, well. We can't just have them sniping at each other all the time. I'm like, mm, I think you could have. You could have. You could have. Yeah. yeah, I actually missed that about them. And I I felt like they were a little too samey to me. I am glad that we got our Gangel kiss. So uh, Me too. Yeah. yeah, that was great. You got to have the yeah. good Gangels. I also really liked the confrontation between Mrs. Coulter and Will here. I like that they tried to remove all that kind of like weird sexual stuff Pullman had going on in the book. I thought her motivations were a lot clearer and made more sense than they did to me in the book. Um, I like the way she tries to convince him to stay. It all just like felt very true to her character, very interesting. Um, And like the way that she's being like directly antagonistic to him when he's trying to cut through and and break the knife. Um, Yeah, I just, all of that. I thought was really wonderful. I agree with all of that except the knife scene. Really? Okay. I thought that was really poorly plotted out and stupid. But I do agree with their their first conversation mm-hmm. was so much better than the book and made so much more sense for setting up the breaking of the knife mm-hmm. and and all of that. That worked really really well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree about I wish the breaking of the knife had more space and there was more Mm. tension building in that scene the tension feels wrong right because like to me it felt like the tension is they're coming to get us and not like will's psychology is having a freak out you know what i mean i see yeah i think we're reading into it because we're we read the book and so we kind of like read into what's going on with will but i don't think that it's very obvious given what happens in in the show i guess maybe and and it's true like as book readers we know that the knife is about to break so it injects attention into that scene that maybe wouldn't be there if you didn't know that that was about to happen you'd just be like why is she weirdly yelling at him while he's having trouble cutting through (laughs) 
for me, it maybe because I knew the knife was about to break, so that's an interesting spin to put on it. But it felt like Mrs. Coulter was kind of goading him on and making it worse on purpose. Right. But then she's just as upset as anyone when the yeah. knife breaks because it means she can't get out of there either. Right. So why was she goading him on? Yeah. yeah. Well, so I think she yeah, didn't expect weird. the knife to break. I think she just thought that she could rattle him into not being able to use it and then he would be stuck with her maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Like, again, because I knew that the knife was going to break, it felt like that was Mrs. Coulter's goal. And then mm. immediately she was upset about it. And I was like, this doesn't work for me. But again, if you don't know it's going to break, then that does kind of color that scene differently. Yeah, I guess I just, I assumed that she was just like, yeah, trying to rattle him into into not being able to use it and not being able to get away from her. I assumed that she didn't realize that it was even possible to break the knife that way. Yeah, that's, that's super fair and does make me like that scene a bit more. Okay, so least favorite part. Um, I'll go first because... I currently hate the Galabespians. Yep. They are unlikable. They're kind of shit. I wrote here they have the same feeling as a sort of straight-to-video teen movie like Shark Boy and Lava Girl, and I really stand by that. They don't have the big thing about them, which is a humanizing element. They're, mm. When we see them in the books, we see them with their dragonflies. Mm-hmm. They don't have dragonflies here. They have wingsuits. Now, mm-hmm. that just makes... It kind of gives me Artemis Fowl vibes, which isn't inherently bad, but they're not the same fucking thing. They're just completely different. And they were some of my favourite characters in the books. I really hate how they made them all kind of look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like, they all have the same hair, and they all, like, they all just look exactly the same. When in the book, the whole thing about them was they were so individualistic. And I hate that yeah. in this one, they've made them all, like, a monotone. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they're unlikable. I think they're a-likable. They're, like, almost not even characters. Yeah, I expect to get more about them in other episodes, especially now that Selmachia, you know, snuck through, so probably next time. I think that there are smart adaptation choices in terms of, like, the influence of the budget and stuff. We're not animating dragonflies. We've got backpacks that have retractable wings so that when we're talking to them, we're not having to animate wings and things like that. I really, really wish that we had more time with them and an explanation of what they are at all for people who haven't read the books and are unfamiliar with them because they literally come out of nowhere when Asriel is infiltrating the prison and there's no explanation of like, are they killing those people? Are they knocking them out? How do they knock them out? What is going on? There's a small bit later when they sting Mrs. Coulter where they say, I just gave her a little bit so she won't die or something. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's like a blink and you'll miss it. Yeah. I don't mind that there's no dragonflies because obviously budgets. But I hate, and this is going to sound stupid, that they made them good spies. Because the whole thing about the Galavespians <laughs> was that they were shit spies other than that they were tiny. So I That's think you could have given them the wing <laughs> backpacks and still have them dress like completely ostentatious and ostentatious yeah. is the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah. And that would give them personality. Yeah. Yeah. And you could, cause they're you know, so arrogant in the book. Them. Yeah. They would be yes. like, I refuse to be in the shadows. That's funny. I, I love that idea. But they're all like dressed in black and hiding and being yeah. good spies. I'm like, those are not gala vespians. <laughs> <laughs> I always imagine them in blue. I don't know why. Like their skin color. 
No, no, just their clothes. I just imagine them oh, kind of clothes. like blue cloth. I always just imagined them like dressed for a ball, <laughs> pretty yeah. much, you know, like, or, or like dressed more like just to pick a time period, like Regency-ish, like just really, really every single day dressed super fancy. Yep, for, sh- for sure. Me too. Like, I've never even thought about that that I don't think he describes the clothing and it's always in my head has been like complicated, layered, frilly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just like a black cat suit. No, no, yeah. no way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I really didn't like all of the stuff around Mrs. Coulter waiting for Will to show up. Like, why is she waiting for a man to show up to help her? Like, I wanted them to be more off book here because in the previous season, Mrs. Coulter like has a kind of existential freak out when she meets Mary Malone and is like, what could I have had? And she tries to get Lyra back and fails. And then she like rediscovers herself through murder, you know, and like <laughs> taming all the specters in Sitagatse to her will. Like, remember that superhero moment where they're like swirling around the tower and she commands them all? Of course we remember it, Ellen. Like where How are they? Dare you. Why why didn't she why isn't she using them? Why isn't she yeah. why aren't they guarding her? Why didn't she send them after her enemies who are threatening her daughter if that's her highest priority? Like I, this is disconnected from the previous season and everything that they built in a way that doesn't make sense to me for her character. Mm-hmm. And like if she wanted Will to show up, why didn't she just wait a minute before taking Lyra? I, I get that she banked on her ability to manipulate Will into bringing her along and like being in charge of things. That makes sense to me. But given how powerful she is at the end of the previous season, it's as if she just decided, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to drug my daughter in a, in a house. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I really hated all the World of the Dead stuff that we got. I don't even remember that. Yeah. Like, I think I blacked it out because it was so bad. So, like, first, it was almost kind of like they made it look like where the kids were being kept at Belvanger, I think, is what was happening there in the first glimpses. Or there was, like, pipes. And I, I just remember being like, what the fuck? Pipes? Why are there pipes? <laughs> and then they just made it too visual and brown for some reason instead of like weirdly in her head like i think it could have been way more atmospheric and weird the coloration was really like seven like (laughs) just exceptionally weirdly color graded and i was like this i I get you're trying to make it seem not like real life but it just it just gave me seven and i was like okay are we gonna find a head in a box like sorry spoilers but (laughs) like also, that film's been out a very long time. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't think of that at all, but as soon as you said it, I was like, yep, absolutely. That's what it looked like. It looked like, especially the sort of ending, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then Roger and Lyra are talking, and Roger actually says, I'm in the land of the dead. Like, that's how he oh, phrases yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like, fuck he me, says, mate. Come on. the land of the dead. Like, what? <laughs> Roger! You have to help me. I will! I promise I won't let you down! They're hurting me. Who? 
me where you are and I'll find you. The land of the dead. Nobody would say that. <laughs> Nobody would. <laughs> and that's like, the, we're just going to hit them over the head with it because we can't have Lyra and Will like talk about it and work out on their own that it's somewhere they could go. We have to tell them that it's somewhere they could go. I'm going to make this prediction is that she never did go to the land of the dead. I think this is everything that is before getting to the land of the dead, because the last moment she's on a literal like ferry boat. That, yeah. And it's like, so she went all the way up to the edge and, and, you know, Rogers like kind of sucked back in, in her vision or something like that. So I don't think we're even seeing the land of the dead at all. That's going to be the, the suburbs. The suburbs. My other, uh, along the same lines also is uh, when Mrs. Coulter tells uh, Will that Lyra is Eve. Um, what? That's stupid. That's bad. And that is very much just like we have to remind the audience for the second time in this episode. And because if Will knows, why wouldn't he tell Lyra? Except Lyra can't know because then things don't happen. It's stupid, and I hate it so much. <laughs> I guess when she tells Will that she's Eve, doesn't isn't it more that she's saying that the Magisterium thinks she's Eve, and that's why they're trying to kill her? Like, uh-huh. I got the impression that, I don't know, that didn't bother me that much. Like they're crazy religious people and they're yeah, gonna kill her like because of this. Yeah, like I didn't think I got didn't get the impression that she really bought it or expected him to buy it. She was just kind of like explaining why the Magisterium wants to kill her sure. so much. Sure, I guess it just felt similar to with the Land of the Dead thing. It just felt like now we can't see them come to their own conclusions mm-hmm. the way that we did in the book, where sometimes Lyra and Will would just talk something out and be like, "Right, this is what we have to do." So uh, I feel like my least favorite part is super nitpicky and trivial in comparison to the stuff that you brought up, which honestly, I don't think I even really noticed. A lot, especially in the first half of the episode and what like would have been episode one, I feel like a lot of people's faces look weirdly yellow and not even in the land of the dead where everything is through that yellow filter, but like, especially Will, I don't know if it's like the makeup or the lighting or what but i just i feel like i i want to give everyone a a test for liver function they look a little (laughs) jaundiced and and i'm not someone who usually is paying attention to like colors in that way but it just it felt very like eerie and unnatural and i don't know maybe it's because we're watching screeners and they'll, they'll do some more color correction before the final version but i don't know did anybody else notice that yeah, so like I watched the screeners on my main TV. When you pointed this out, I went back and watched them. And I think that there is a color correction happening that you're picking up on that's prioritizing yellow because in a lot of those scenes, he's like working with the alethiometer or there's like some. Oh, dust you think they stuff. wanted to like bring out the gold tones in the alethiometer yeah, really, and it had the really unfortunate pops. side effect of, of also making his face look terrible. Yeah, yeah, I think it does. That it doesn't work with his sense. complexion. Yeah, yeah. See, I would, I would choose face over alethiometer for sure. But you know, but it was weird on my TV too. Is the point? Okay, so in the problematic section, I have a comment that is not necessarily 
something that was problematic, but I felt like I kind of wanted to point out uh, a spot where I I felt like they made a decision to differ from the book in order to avoid being problematic, Um, which is that in the book, Mrs. Coulter holds Lyra in a cave uh, in Nepal near the Himalayas, and um, in this TV show, she is on an island in the Germanic Sea. But yeah, I I think they were kind of like avoiding some of that like brown people eastern mysticism stuff that could have been a danger of hewing exactly to what the book had done and i thought the location where they had the chapel was gorgeous um like super beautiful and it really worked visually my favorite thing about the chapel is that um Mrs. Coulter brought her hair curling accessories. Yes. <laughs> she needed to have yes. perfect curls every day. She looked perfect every single time that we saw her, yeah. even after she'd been bashed in the head. <laughs> and I approve, Mrs. Coulter. It does uh, It does avoid some problematics. The, there's also the character of Ama related to that, who is... Uh, portrayed in this as Amber Fitzgerald Wolf is the name of the young actress and she's deaf in the story and the the actress is also a deaf actress. I thought she did a great job. Yeah, I that's a good point. Yeah, I liked Ama. So, that's different for me. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, she was way better than she was in the books. And also an interesting note, I think she speaks BSL in this as the spelling out of the letters is done with two hands rather than one, which would be ASL. Yeah, it definitely did not look like ASL to me. Yeah, also ASL and BSL are vastly different languages, whilst British and English, uh, British English and American English are very similar. There were some things that were the same, though. Like, I clearly recognised yeah. thank you. Yeah. yeah um, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of cultural interchange, because there's a lot of cultural interchange in general between Britain and America. Right, yes. But there's... Uh, again, the big the big one, which is the distinguishing factor, is the spelling out letters with two hands rather than one. Yeah, and I thought this could also be like kind of foreshadowing other communication we might be getting later, mm. but I don't want to spoil anything that yeah. that might be referencing. But but I did also really really like Balthamus coming out and start signing to her, like because yes. the, yeah they like he can speak every language and he can also speak this one, and I was like that's really cool. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and just to kind of, like, explicitly put the period on that, that, you know, if you're going to have disabled characters, it's good to hire disabled actors to play them. So, good job, Bad Wolf. I really felt, in, or I could be wrong, but this felt like they wanted this actress, so they made the character disabled. That's how and I, I like that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What else do we want to talk about? I know we have a lot more notes, but... Yeah, I think we just kind of threw out a science or religion section for unless we want to just really dig into why insectoid humans is like not an evolutionary path that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> or I don't how think that's their actual wings. <laughs> their vocal cords, if they were super tiny, would not make human noises in our human, like human register. Yeah. <laughs> that would Lord be Israel, what are you doing? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Roke. Yes. <laughs> put, I'll put you in a box again. No. Will, you're not allowed to do that. We have to go to see Lord Ezra right now. 
Alvin and the Subtle Knife. <laughs> Uh, which, it's so funny, never occurred to me while reading the books, because I guess yeah. when you're just, you're like, oh, well, they're talking, and you're not really thinking about, like, the picture of the register of it, yeah. <laughs> and as soon as you see it in a, yeah, in the, um, in the TV show, I was like, that's not how sound waves work. Uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about dad stuff, because I feel like this is a very dad episode. I mean, I guess parents in general, because we get to see some good Mrs. Coulter stuff too. But I I liked the the way that the episode, I think, was like very purposefully drawing that contrast between Commander Gunway and the way that he relates to his daughters and then Lord Asriel and the way that he relates to Lyra. Yeah, absolutely. And it didn't feel too heavy handed to me, at least. I don't know no. how other people felt about it. Uh, just the first scene did, where Asriel is blatantly staring at a gunway, hugging his daughter. <laughs> that felt yeah. a little heavy-handed, but the rest was good. Yeah. I I like that even though Lyra is not active in these two episodes, she remains present in that way throughout Asriel's yeah. story. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not about him and his war. It's like... There's, Lyra has a real strong presence through the whole thing. And then we have every time somebody brings up Lyra around Azrael, and he's just like, she's not important. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, he's like rolls his eyes so hard you can hear them <laughs> hitting the back but of his people skull. People just keep on bringing... I love that everybody else thinks she's so important, but Azrael is like, no, no, I've already decided. She's not. But I like the way with that comes the confrontation between Azrael and uh, Stilberia. Yes, where, yes, like, absolutely. She is also part of him, and she's like, no, you don't think this, though, mate. Like, what the fuck are you on about? And he's like, no, I do. Yeah. And he's like, she's like, no, I'm, I am you, and you don't. <laughs> yeah. You dismiss Lyra too easily. You know what the Magisterium believe about her. According to the authority, Eve was the mother of creation. Lyra is simply the creation of Marissa and I. She is not Eve, she's a little girl. She must have some information they need or some skill we've overlooked. Other than being able to read the Alethium, she has very little, I'm afraid, other than knows for trouble. What? What would you like me to say? The truth. This Azriel is different from book Azriel. Very. Yeah. He, he was really repressing his feelings around his child. There's like real guilt and affection and like mm. confusion around Lyra that, that I really, really love. It makes the character more rich, but I think it's also like, to me, it speaks about like what actually makes him a bad father because some part of him knows what he should be doing and he is actively choosing not to do it. And to me, that's what a bad person is. There's a mm. difference to me between someone who thinks that they're doing the right thing, but they're wrong about that. And someone who like in some part of themselves knows this is not the right choice and does it anyway. How would you describe book Azriel in comparison? I think he's just colder. I think he's more committed to his cause. There is like some friction in him over Lyra, but not to this degree at all. I feel like in the book, he didn't care at all about her until it was revealed what she did in the world of the dead. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, great, this reflects so good on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do really like the scene in the intention craft 
later on with him and Stel Maria along the same lines where he's like, I know exactly what we're getting, what we're going for. Shut up. Right. And you you do get that little bit of him wanting to protect Lyra. Yeah, because literally right before that scene, he says, you heard what the angel said. The knife is in that world. We have to go get it. So he is saying out loud, what I am doing is about the knife. And then when he yeah. gets into the intention craft, it won't work because it's not really about the mm. knife. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that was really good use of the intention. Craft it's also, so good as a, as a plot device. I love yeah. it. Very good. Great. It's like they know that they can just think that their audience is smart, but not all the time. Yeah. I, I liked that we got some good pan in this episode, but I missed we red did. panda pan. Red panda pan's best pan. I, yeah. The, when pan is basically like begging Mrs. Coulter not to put Lyra back to sleep. Please. Let us go. medicine how will you get better darling you know Ugh. awakened the pathos inside me in a very deep way and also confused me because i thought that when lyra was knocked unconscious he was also unconscious there have been instances in the book where um if lyra's like just asleep or on the verge of waking up or on the verge of being asleep where the demon can kind of fight that and be awake a little bit longer okay um and presumably since she then like knocks her out again she was kind of on the verge of waking up um before we move on too far from lord asriel do we want to talk about the angel torture scene oh i loved it because i think asriel's already horrible and he's just you you see him slipping away from humanity into like he'll do anything for his goal and you're like yeah but you you're sort of you're falling afoul of that classic trap of being so dedicated you're sort of becoming a bit evil Buddy. I thought the technology was very interesting, it, you know, for all of our discussions about dust. He's like, dust cannot get into or out of this chamber and then he can manipulate it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, Caitlin would love to do experiments with this. This is 100%. <laughs> yeah, I, it was it was basically a separation chamber or a severance chamber. He just thought of another way to use it, which was equally horrifying. It's also a little bit like the cave the way they designed that machine, like a little. Oh yeah, bit. I did mm-hmm. notice that. Yeah. Yes. One thing I noticed was uh, when Asriel is, is explaining to Ugunway the um, the bond between a person and a demon, and I was just sitting there thinking, oh, I wonder how you know that bond is so powerful, Asriel, you cheeky <laughs> fellow. Like, you know, we're just going to briefly skip over the bit of murder you did to find that one out. Okay. He's, he's like. <laughs> You know, the authority, they're so terrible to children. They're, I, that's why I hate them. They're the worst. <laughs> you got to kill a child or two here and there to save them all. I mean, who hasn't done it? But these guys, I mean, look at your daughter. I would never I mean, do they that. Just, they just go to an ex- excessive degree, don't they? It's just too much child killing. I mean, you can't have no child killing, but like, <laughs> they just go a bit too far for me. He's like an enlightened centrist, but for child murder. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Roger going through puberty in the land of the dead. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's not great for you, is it? (laughs) I did write down, how did did Lyra even recognize you? You're a different person now. (laughs) You look and sound completely different. 
But you yeah. know, Lyra, what... Lyra. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? Like, there, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's that's the one thing, or that type of stuff. I don't mind when it's kind of ridiculous, because indeed, what can you do? <laughs> Exactly. I, I would have hated it more if they recast, I think. Yeah. So. Yes, I agree. Oh, yeah, that would have been bad. Don't do that. Should we talk about the Magisterium briefly? Oh, there's um, so yes. much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I noticed, or one of the big ones I noticed, was the Swiss Guard, who are all in blue. <laughs> yeah. They're Which out here with their berets and their axe things. Yeah. Their halberds. Halberd. Yeah. <laughs> but they're also all in blue. I was like, oh, you're nearly, you're nearly there. I mean, you weren't there, but you were nearly there. I think they wanted to like keep their ridiculousness, but not have them be too ridiculous. Oh yeah, because you, you couldn't it, you couldn't be more ridiculous than the Vatican. It's not allowed <laughs> right, in a fantasy when, film. <laughs> when you see a Swiss guard in real life, though, you think, like, if I had seen a Swiss guard in a show first, I would literally be like, "Who made that design? That was dumb." Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like you should fire them. Um, <laughs> So I can Agreed. see where maybe they attempted to tone it down a bit. That I love the their kind of headquarters in Geneva because it looks really like kind of the, the Acropolis and places like that. Really, really cool mm-hmm. design. I really enjoyed the like two random ass characters you meet beside Father Gomez, who look Ooh, like the most yeah. milquetoast humans to ever exist. <laughs> yeah. And oh, absolutely, yeah. I would expect them to knock on my door to tell me about their cult. <laughs> <laughs> As you see the third guy waiting in the car sharpening an axe. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, their whole scene with Cardinal McPhail at the beginning um is No, he's um or, he's Father President. Fa- sorry, McPhail. Father President McPhail. Uh yeah. That that actor is so good and creepy as always, and that whole scene is just so unnerving. Father Jerome. What do you think should be done? The author must be in prison for heresy. Father Heist, there were dozens more like it hidden throughout the building. All attendees imprisoned, as well as anyone found in possession of the author's work. Mm-hmm. Father Gomez. Father Gomez, if you were in my position, what would you do? Physical atonement in public. For those charged with possession, I'd choose perhaps the whip. For the author, something which leaves a little more lasting damage. Fear is a gift. It allows people to learn. I love that he's Lyra's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. (laughs) Mr. Will I had to look that one up again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my um, god, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yes, he's Daphne Keene's yeah, yeah, dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's just trying to I, find his daughter, guys. Come on. <laughs> and also that scene where they're all in the helicopter or aeroplane trying to go over to the island and it pans across all of these characters kind of sitting there stony-faced with their uh, submachine guns and then to Father Gomez who's sitting there with his Bible. Ooh, I like that. Who's the that. creepiest like one that. here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Not this, the this guy is his weapon, right? oiling his weapon. The guy yeah. who's reading the Bible on his way to murder people. <laughs> the, you know, yeah. the classic, the usual. <laughs> I did like that. I, I do have some problems with Father Gomez 
and on like a story level. Is he too hot? Because I was surprised by like they hired a super like young, traditionally attractive actor, and I was not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's very hot. <laughs> he's very very hot. <laughs> See, the the thing is, Gomez was so creepy that I can't even think of him as being hot. <laughs> Because he did such a good job being he such a creepy so little bitch. I don't know when so him and when when him and Will Keen were like almost nose to nose. I was like, just turn your head a little bit more. <laughs> just but your lips are right there. Okay, but, you know what? Now that you bring that up, yes. Yeah. <laughs> there was that energy. It's, and yeah. then the spider crawled up on his shoulder, and I was like, never mind. I was like, don't stop. <laughs> My problem with Father Gomez is not his hotness, but. Help me out with this, because McPhail like gets some people together, and he's like, "This is the most serious shit that ever did serious." Today, we have been offered an opportunity. The opportunity to purge this world. To purge these worlds. Of all that has been ailing them, we are going to release the righteous from sin. Father Gomez will lead you, and the authority will guide you in your sacred mission. Be swift, be brutal, but make no mistake: the girl Eve must not be allowed to escape. Retrieve the child. Retrieve the mother. And return them to me, dead or alive. And so I'm going to send you raw recruit who I've barely ever met and six dudes on a balloon to go solve this problem. that is the most dire and important problem in the universe. I feel like they are like, I feel like not enough is done on McPhail's part, especially given how hard the magisterium has gone after the kids in the previous two seasons. This feels like super half-assed to me. I don't understand it. It does very much feel like we needed to introduce father Gomez. Uh huh. And you needed to know he was creepy. And that's why this exists. Which is like fair. Yeah. But I I guess uh, they're trying they're trying Eh. to kind of just streamline things, right? Because in the in the book, they send the Zeppelins with stormtroopers to the cave. They send a shitload of Zeppelins. Well there were two. They do. Um Father Gomez is kind of sent out separately. Because it's super important and the entire council is brought together. They're like, we need redundancies to this plan. And then while they're gone, we're going to make another plan on top of that in case those two plans don't work. It just feels like Father McPhail's like, I am going to go do my ceremony, which is more important. And there's this other thing, which I say with my mouth is important, but none of my actions... Mm illustrate that in the plot i feel like that is not an intentional thing on the writer's part that i'm supposed to like feel like mcphail is a bad leader or any i feel like it's just not well thought out and well plotted you think he would have sent like 10 zeppelins 
that's what they did in season but two maybe, when they were like yeah. Lee Scoresby is over maybe here. Maybe they didn't have the budget for ten. Well, maybe the Zeppelin. yeah. I mean, this maybe is not. Maybe they have not. unlimited budget. Oh, no, in, the, the in the show. In the well, show. I was going to say, I you. you know, they destroyed most of the Zeppelins that we saw in season two. So maybe they're just rebuilding the Zeppelins. Like, they destroyed enough That's a of good the Zeppelin point. fleet. They only have two working Zeppelins uh, left. The other ones are at the Zeppelin yard. This feels like a retcon. Well, they could say that in a line. It'd be like... We'll yeah. send out all the Zeppelins and like, sir, we're still rebuilding. Remember Lee Scoresby blew them all <laughs> yeah. up. Be like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> oh, a really minor, minor ranty point about the Zeppelins before we go on from them. In that scene I was talking about earlier where it's uh, it's kind of panning across the troops and Gomez in the Zeppelin. They cl- When they close the door to the troop compartment, the light turns from red to green. If you're doing things like parachute drops or really anything, then green means go and red means don't go. It's so if, if you can't if you can't hear the person telling you go go go, you can tell because the green light is on. So jump out the plane. If it says if it's red, it means stop. I know in America we have trouble with that sometimes. Turn right on red, sure, but overall. <laughs> It's just it's just this tiny little detail. I was like, guys, you, you could have just does, just does England the other not way turn left on red? No, because it's fucking absurd. They also don't have blinking red <laughs> lights at all. Red should just mean one thing, and that is stop and do not go. The temple and the zeppelins are in Lyra's world, so they might be opposite. That again is very retconny. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice whatever it is you're like I can't even oh it up no I, I know it's uh, I know it's such a minor point but just it's just one of those little things I'm like guys <sighs> maybe they did do it on purpose though just to make it seem a little more off like to to have it feel different I just think they liked the lighting with green better is it more to just a small thing on Gomez that whole scene where he's introduced where uh father president McPhail is like asking these three dudes what to do with these, I don't know, illegal poetry. I remember sitting there and just being like, why the fuck is this happening? <laughs> this doesn't matter. What's, why yep. are we talking about illegal poetry? And then at the end when they're like, oh, Father Gomez, I'm like, oh, that's why this is happening. Gotcha. Because we're meeting Gomez. Wow. But I just can't help but think if you'd not read the books and you weren't expecting Gomez, like what? That scene would be so <laughs> stupid. I did really want to, at the time when they're, when he's putting to the three of them, what should we do with this the person who wrote this book or was found with these books? And Gomez says, yeah, we should yeah, we should torture him and kill him and make an example to everyone. I really wanted the other two to look at each other and be like, what the f- fuck yeah <laughs> no no we shouldn't that's a bad oh, guys we're trying not to be evil i don't know if you got the memo <laughs> they should have looked at each other and been like oh i wish i would have said that like <laughs> fucking try hard god yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i i will say just apart from all of that talk about gomez i don't like that they made him kind of the leader of these troops just because yeah. i liked him better as a creepy mysterious ghost Mm-hmm. That was kind of the whole point. Was he's meant to be this, that like essentially, an agent where they're like, "Yep, we are going to deny that you exist. We are just not. We, you are free to go and do what you feel you need to do. We think you are that dedicated that you can just go and you'll be an agent for good for us." What do you think about him and Mrs. Coulter's conversation? 
it was written well, it was acted well. And I kind of liked that they were having uh, a standoff. I hate that they had this random ass dude see through Mrs. Coulter's lies. Yeah. Like, that's who she is. She's the person who can make anybody believe her lies. And they just had this random ass dude see through her lies. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, I guess maybe she kind of brought it back a little bit at the end. But I hate that. When they go into the temple thingy and they sit down and they have a nice conversation. Or not a nice You know what I'm saying. I liked that scene. What was your plan? Would you have kept her unconscious forever? Run from world to world. Trying to escape the alethiometer. Forever? You're not stupid. Quite the opposite. You knew we would find her, eventually. And destroy her. That is her destiny. You brought this fate upon her. You gave her the terrible punishment of her existence. And now when she reaches the hands of Father President MacPhail, been prolonging her pain in this way I don't know sorry I did not know what else to do father that is not true the answer was so simple and you knew it all along, a truly loving act would have been to let her die. To drift off in a sleep so deep that no one could ever hurt her. In her mother's arms. child takes a kind of strength I do not possess. Oh, but you do. You have greater strength than you know. But no, that that whole outside thing where he immediately didn't believe her. No, 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 no. So I have a question. When Mrs. Coulter is like wistfully staring out the window and says, I thought he'd be here by now. When I first saw that, I thought she was talking about Azriel, and I was extremely yeah, me upset. Too. Me too. I no, was just was... like, what, 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 what? No. Um, but I assume she was talking about Will. Is that what we think? Did she? So she yes. knew. She knew about the knife, and I guess she wanted Will with the knife there to help defend Lyra. Her plan seems to be holding Lyra to keep her safe, but also the dual purpose of luring Will with the knife, and then they will be able to go anywhere and escape anyone 
the three of them because of the knife. I see. So basically, her plan is to get access to the knife. I really hate it. I really hate that her plan is like, I'm waiting for a, a man to come. I think I didn't really notice that as as much when I was first watching the episode, but the more that we talk about it, the more I don't like it. Up until this point, her whole MO has been to not rely on anybody. But she could be like held in, I don't know, like the Tower of Angels surrounded by a million specters and only Will as a child can get in, you know? And like the Magisterium adults can't get in to get her. And then she has access to the knife because only Will can get to her. Even the same place, just with specters. Yeah, exactly. Like she's, she can make it adult proof and she can make it so only Will can get through. And then she'll be like, oh, Will, you've come exactly the way that I thought you would, you know? Isn't that still waiting to be saved by a man? Like, I don't see how that fixes your complaint. That manipulates the situation to like... So that she gets, you know, the thing that she wants. I see. Instead, she's like very vulnerable while she's waiting. Like she's very anxious. I almost think the book was better because she genuinely just thought they were safe there. You know, she was she didn't have a plan. She was just like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm doing this. But here we are. Yeah. Uh, I stopped us earlier from talking about the opening Lord of the Rings animation. Uh, but maybe we should do that now. It feels like that's speaking directly to us as the audience. It's not. It felt like a recap, but they because made it because it was well pretty. Uh, also, but we. But you know what I mean. I yeah. don't like, feel like it, we knew that information necessarily from the from the show at any point. But it was like, who is this being told to? Like, shouldn't that be said to Azrael? Shouldn't that? Like, why are you telling us that? It was strange because it felt kind of quite diegetic. Or it could have been, except that we didn't know who the audience was. Like, if they'd have played it in, into that a little bit more, someone being told this as the history for a reason, yeah, that would make more sense. But as I it was, it was just... It. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was like a diegetic style without actually being diegetic, which just makes you ask the question, who's being told this? I do think it's it's funny that at the beginning we were all like, yeah, we thought this was like pretty good, pretty fun. And then I feel like we've been nitpicking for two hours. But what else are we going to do for two hours? That's what we yeah, do. <laughs> this is why the dear listeners listen to us. Yes. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't think I said anything was good. I said I wanted the next episode already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I meant like, this is my least favorite part. Like, let's get through it. Mm-hmm. but let's tear it apart while we're getting through it because it's more fun i have other random notes i don't know if i talked about this last season but i hate the knife oh just like the physical yeah, design of the knife the design of it yeah it, they made it pretty sure but it looks like a toy it look it never looks sharp anytime he pulls it out i'm like that is plastic you could buy that at the dollar store <laughs> you know the funny thing well this was so mm. we talked in the previous recording about the fact that i was at mcm comic-con and they had a panel on his up materials. And Amir Wilson was asked, do you have the knife now? And he said yes, but actually he'd, he'd managed to um, chip a bit off it, I think, by dropping it. <laughs> that was like, That's that is funny. so on brand. <laughs> yep. That's great. Like, I don't know. Like, when he's cutting into, like, it just doesn't look. It doesn't feel weighty. It do- Yes. 
that's that's it's not maybe subtle. that <laughs> it is not subtle and it do- never looks sharp yeah and it doesn't I it feel looks like, like a spoon when you you give to yeah. a toddler uh, yeah it looks like a toddler safe knife yeah <laughs> and toddler I just wish safe. It world destroyer <laughs> this this <laughs> knife is safe for you toddler um i have a lot of all caps notes that are just like yorick yorick when he's killing anybody i'm just like okay i feel like i feel like he was more invincible to machine gun fire than he should have been right yeah i did feel like he he got very lucky considering he's a very big target and his armor doesn't cover that much of him yeah i i really liked the lodestone resonator that was yeah. That was a fun little bit of how to how to make that something an audience can enjoy and not just oh they're off over there with a rock right. playing cello on the rock. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely I definitely preferred it though. I did again feel it was slightly too high tech for the Galavespians for my view of the Galavespians, but that right. is just me. I do accept it. I just like I liked it. I thought it was better than again a rock with a bow. <laughs> But also, it's Literally really better big for than the Galavespians. Like, think about how the Gal- how big the Galavespians are. If that's their their thing, it's like a you know a a screen the size of a wall in your house. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. They made a like, giant they send, one for him. They send them out with a tiny one, right. but they receive it on, in a movie theater. On a yeah. Giant, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really doesn't make sense for quantum entanglement either. It should be, you know, what I none mean? of it like, makes sense. <laughs> But they didn't say quantum entanglement, so it's fine, they didn't, actually. Thank God. Which is smart, yeah. Yeah. But it looked cool. That's all I cared about. I was like, oh, that's yeah, neat. Yeah, it did look cool. Yeah. It looked really, really, really good. I liked it. Oh, oh. But going back to, there is that moment at the end of the episode where Will shoots one of them. And <gasps> Oh, yeah, that was a... Oh, <sighs> my God. Like God, That was, was a good moment. Amazing acting Gut punch. there by uh, Amir yes, Wilson. Yes, so good. And how he immediately puts the gun down and is like, nope, yeah. not doing that again. Yeah, Heartbreaking. See, we like some things. Did anything come of the spider talk in the chat? I don't know if you recognize. Gomez's spider looks to me like a huntsman. It's kind of hard to tell from the little that we see. Um, the body shape's not right for anything like a saltacid. So it's kind of either a huntsman or a wolf spider. Which would make sense, because he is kind of foreshadowing that he is a huntsman. Oh, okay. Mm. I get that. So okay. I, I can get behind it. I, I will probably see more of it, and if we do, then I'll let you know. I didn't think his demon was meant to be a spider, though, was it? Yeah, I was about to ask, do we know what his demon is from the book? I don't remember it at all. We, we I definitely thought it was a, do. I thought it was a... It was an invertebrate, but I thought it was like a... It was a, a beetle or a butterfly or something? It was a beetle. Oh, yeah, it was a like beetle. a beetle. A stag beetle You're or right. a jewel beetle. Um, I guess the only other interesting thing that I had to say, maybe, I don't know, maybe this isn't even interesting to anyone else, but I, I was watching, Ooh. watching this episode with my mom, um, because I'm visiting my parents right now. And I, in addition to having to explain all of books one and two to her, as we were kind of going through things, uh, when they get to the point where Mary Malone is, um, doing her divination with the I Ching sticks and my mom just goes oh i have some of those and i was like oh of course you do <laughs> <laughs> uh, can confirm he has a beetle demon in the book that, that was pretty much all i had did anybody else have anything they want to cover i thought this was really important and i thought it was actually really well done the little speech that the arc 
Angel Alarbus gives to Azriel while he's in the resonator. I should have brought it up then when we talked about it, but why would I do that? What does he want? <sighs> the end of this! Dust is not for you to understand. Conscious beings have become dangerously independent. He will lead a permanent inquisition into every world, on every being, until they understand complete obedience. And with it, we will bring an end to the freedom of thought and will have controlled us once and for all. How do I find him? The kingdom of heaven is not yours to enter. You are just really saying the theme out loud, right? Because this is like the we whole crisis. We get Nazi-ish, maybe. Well, just it's maybe. not just Nazis, but it's like, this is what the crisis of all the adults in the story is, right? Like, Coulter is literally keeping Lyra drugged just to stop her independence. She's like, Mom, I want to leave. Yeah. And she's like, no, you have to stay here. <laughs> but again, it's like, it, it really has the sort of um, totalitarian vibes, doesn't it? It's like, no. There must be oh, order. Yeah. I mean, it 100%. feels yeah. just extremely Calvinist to me, right? Because it's like, it's mm. a bit circular, right? They have a theology that says that there's re- not really free will, that everything is preordained in the way that God likes it, but then they're just trying to actually make that true. I I will say that scene or that bit didn't, it didn't feel like they were beating me over the head with it, like some of the other things we mentioned. Oh, no, I don't. Yeah, I didn't mean it like beating me. I thought it was really well done. And I was like, oh, oh okay, you okay. you were just saying, th- like, I loved how it was done. I was like, oh, you are saying the thing. Oh, just sometimes w- when shows do, like, state the theme out loud, it can be pretty cringy. Yeah. But I, th- I thought they did it really well there. Mm-hmm. 100%. It, I think it also plays into the thing that Asriel says to a gunway about death as a lie. He's like, there's something going on with dust and death and we're going to kill death. And a gunway is like, I think you're kind of nuts. There's a system of control happening with death that Asriel is like onto that's going to be explored throughout the season as well. And it, it has to do with this whole consciousness. Conscious beings are too independent and, we need to lock down on that. I thought that was a really nice job of like laying out here are the big themes for this season in the first episode. So I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I just saw that we uh, have an, a, a spoiler section down here. I have not been avoiding spoilers at all. Unfortunately, it does mean that we can't use the Asriel uh, thing that we've used for every TV season of like everyone special. <laughs> I mean, we can throw it in somewhere. <laughs> we have to. Oh, we. It's will. part of who we are. It'll just get stamped in here, like obnoxiously over us talking. <laughs> who has a soundboard? I do, <laughs> and I actually think I have it still assigned to one of my buttons, but I don't remember oh which God. one. That's hilarious. Press them all. Press them all. Uh, Press them I don't all. know if you guys will be able to hear them. Probably not. Nothing happened. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> nice. That the shit that out of me that I got loud, but so yeah. good. <laughs> uh, now at least I know what button it is. Okay, well, that's it for this week. Next time, we will most likely be talking about episodes three and four of the TV show, because as far as we know, uh, they are going to be dropping two episodes at a time. Um even though they are not edited together 
like one large episode the way episodes one and two were. Um, so we should have four TV analysis episodes where we'll be covering two of the episodes at a time. Yes, so next time, episodes three and four of the TV show. If you like our podcast, please take some time to leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. And wow, this is the first time that we're doing our outro post-Twitter explosion. Um, so <laughs> we'll see... Uh. Am I going to have to add my Mastodon yeah, on here? Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> we may have a Mastodon presence at some point. Um, but for now, I'm Anya, and you can follow me on Twitter at StrangelyLiteral. That's Strangely, then L-I-T-E-R-L. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me on Twitter at InferiorCaitlin, or on Instagram if you want to see what I'm reading at InferiorCateReads. I'm Francis, and you can follow me on Twitter if, at the time of release, Twitter still exists, at Francis Windrum. Follow the show on Twitter at MOTPod or send us emails at contact at hollowedgroundmedia.com. And don't forget to whip people for their poetry. Go back to kindergarten, Alan. You need to work three, on your counting. One, two, three, three, two, three, two, one. Okay, no, but we actually do have to count. <laughs> one, so. two. The lady Salmachia poisons Mrs. Coulter to unconsciousness, and then. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> how did how did the Willie and Lyra happen then? <laughs> Because she had to change my perfect summary, <laughs> which did not have that in it. <laughs> and he did, to great mirth on all fronts. <laughs> right, try that again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. <sighs> Why can't I have a push to talk for you? <laughs> Sorry. Right. Right, um, least favorite parts. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, sorry, I was holding back. You got more. Oh, okay. More. Sorry, yeah. my apologies. Least favorite part, go on. <laughs> <laughs> They could have had them, like, pierce each other's head cavities while they were having sex. <laughs> they could have. Because that's exactly what we were talking about, yeah. <laughs> more dragon... <laughs> I would like more dragonfly human fusion in this... Okay, never mind. Again. <laughs> give, me, give me a dragonfly human, but none of the good bits. <laughs> all of the just most horrifying the bits. <laughs> Yeah, and so I was like, oh, this is, like, maybe, like, a Welsh thing on the, I don't know. Like, I don't know England, so, like, but <laughs> that's what I thought was happening. I mean, Wales is not England, but, you know. Okay. So yeah, that's, had to be a ped- I get Had to be a pedant there. Yeah, I get you. I'm, I'm sure the Welsh people would appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they fucking would. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit that me saying Pullman is, like, a cheap thing that i hate when i'm listening to a podcast and someone does that i'm like you don't know that dude like you've never had a conversation 
with him and been like, well, this is what I thought, Alan. And uh, <laughs> like, I don't I really don't know what Pullman intended at all. Uh, I get neither do I. Yeah. I just that was the feeling I got. So I think you're right to point that out. In the book, I just think. with his face. No, no, no. Never talked in the books. Okay. Yes, he did. No, I, we do. Yeah, we talk about this. Where? Yeah, he for sure talked in the books because we talked about it and we were like, I don't remember this happening. And it's funny Spoilers, because you've edited it from your mind already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we talked about it. Okay. But, like I know. Him and I don't Mrs. Know. Coulter I have a whole Mrs. conversation. Coulter I remember Mrs. Coulter talking to him, but I don't remember there being monkey dialogue on the page. No, he talks No, because we, sure. we talked about it specifically because it was so weird. Yeah. No, I believe you because my brain is mush, but uh, I hate it again, I guess. <laughs> don't worry, you'll forget soon again. <laughs> also, the, um, the ministerium, magisterium, ministerium, whatever the fuck they're called. Ma- magisterium. Uh, Catholic church in another coat. Uh, three Catholic churches in a trench coat. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, um... I just almost died, but I muted my mic, so all's well. <laughs> You're welcome, editor, whoever that might be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this young priest, this young, hot, fit priest who's so hot, uh, she's, he like sees right through her immediately. Yeah, and I was like, "What are you doing? Why did you just so, do that?" Yeah, like Lord Boreal is not waiting for for Will and Lyra to come and like he's manipulated them into doing what he wants and bringing them bringing to him what he wants. You could do that again. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. <laughs> I was when you first started talking, that was going to be like, "Yeah, he's not waiting for them. He's dead, Alan." <laughs> He's he's very dead. Yeah, <laughs> that was my thought also. We're not nitpicky about everything. Yeah, we liked two things: mm-hmm. Will killing the uh, soldier, <laughs> and then them stating the theme out loud. And Father Gomez being hot. We work it out. We can always do. Do one, we two, do we want to talk about that to the audience at all? Like to the best of our knowledge, there's yeah. only going to be four dumps episode uh, dumps broadcasting. Yeah, that's what they're called dumps. That's the yeah. official industry term. <laughs> there's going to be four dumps. Well, HBO is uh, going to take four dumps all over your chest. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. It's a 